0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. You know, um, the day that Viv got sick, uh, in Australia, I started seeing her, her get real sick and, um, and I had an opportunity um, just before we were taking her to the doctor, I, um, I was standing by and I watched a, an older woman, she was wanting to get a new mobile phone, but she was incredibly paranoid, she wanted a phone without an email address. So if you want an Android phone, or you want an iPhone, you have to have an email address now. You can't just have a phone without an email address. You guys know that, eh? All right? So, um, you know, unless you get a burner or something like that, you know. I'm talking about smartphone. And um, so anyway, my ears pricked up because whenever you see someone paranoid about security and stuff like that, there's normally a story behind it. So I just hovered around the salesperson, you know, lingered, hovered. (laughs) <laughs> that dark shape standing there. And, uh, and anyway, to cut a long story short, um, as she was trying to decipher the fact that you couldn't get a phone without an email address, um, she just let this loose comment go, and she said, um, oh, with everything that's going on now, she said, I think I have to go back to my faith. And I said to her, so I stepped up into the conversation, and I said to her... You know this planet is dated, don't you? There's a fixed date on this planet. It's not going to carry on forever. And she pricked up, and she was a, she was a um, uh, she'd been a scientist when she was young. Her daughter was a professor working one of the universities in, in America. So she was a very intelligent woman. And uh, talking about protons, neutrons, and all this sort of stuff, and nuclear stuff and that was going on. And to cut a long story short, I said to her, I'm a pastor here on holiday. And she said, I need to talk to you. Can I shout you for a coffee? And then she said to the like, sales, I'm picking up this guy. We're going for a coffee right now. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I took this lady, um, well, she took me for a coffee. And, uh, and through the grace of God, I was able to lead her back to Christ. Um <laughs> But the, th- the thing that sparked that whole conversation was this one thing, is that the signs of the times are on us all. And everybody, my own sons right now are having conversations with me as they realize that the compression of the last days, everybody's feeling the pressure as this world is heating up. And the amazing thing is, church, is this, is that, is that the Bible teaches at the same time this gross darkness is covering the face of the earth and deep darkness the people. He said, my light is going to rise and shine on the people of God. So as the dark gets darker, the light on God's people is going to get brighter. And there is, there is... In Scripture, there is a clear indication in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is going to move in revival, global power, like He's never moved before. And you and I are called to be a part of that. We have an inheritance in that. And we can, we can either sit back and just watch the world whiz past us and, and watch people in utter confusion, trying to get their mind around the, the Kim Jong-uns and the, and the Trumps and everything else that's going on in the world today. Or we can actually step in to the breach, like I did that day with that lady, and we can have a part to play in getting and reaping the harvest and bringing it in. And that's what I want to talk to us about today. I I, I want, there's a call that is going out to the earth through the, the body of Christ that's on a specific frequency and God is asking us to tune in to that frequency to hear the call of Scripture and the voice of God echoing in our spirit and calling us not just to be a spectator, but a participator on God's team in these last days. The problem is is that there is a massive human need and there's a shortage of supply of the body of Christ. If we look at percentages right now around the world, the church of Jesus Christ is outnumbered, massively so. And yet there's going to come this massive push from heaven to sweep as many into the kingdom as possible in these last days. But it's not going to happen without your participation. God is calling you. God is calling me to be a part of what He wants to do. Can you hear the call? is what I'm sharing with you this morning. Can you hear the call of God to your heart, not to somebody else, not to the person sitting on the row next to you, but can you hear a specific voice from God today calling you to step up and become involved? Jesus said in John 4.35, Do not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He went on to say in Matthew 9 to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. So this is what, let me interpret this into modern day English for you. Jesus is saying there's no shortage of people wanting to get saved. They just don't know how. The harvest fields are white. That's the colour that wheat goes when it's ready to be harvested. It's ready now. There's people ready on your street. There's people ready in your workplace. There's people ready to hear the Word of God. Can you hear the call from heaven calling to your heart to say, pick me, Lord. I wanna be involved in what You're about to do. The harvest truly is plentiful, But the labourers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into His harvest. And I find it interesting that God doesn't say have a manic spell of everybody running around chasing their tail. We've got to save them, we've got to save them. He said, no, no, no. He said, the first thing I want you to do is pray. And that's why as a church, our one main meeting during the week that we have is our prayer meeting because that's where things are gonna start turning on that wheel is in that place of prayer. We desperately need that. So God's answer is that Jesus Christ through the church is gonna touch the community. Christ through the church to the community. Christ through the church, not bypass the church, through the church to the community. And He's given us all the weaponry that we need. It was prophesied in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because, why don't we, is this up here? Why don't we say this together? Because I want you to personalise it today. And it's personalized for you in the same tense that Isaiah prophesied it. Let's go together, all right? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Who is the Spirit of God upon? Me. That's you. That's not the Spirit of God's only on pastors, the Spirit of God's only on elders, only on deacons. The Spirit of God is on all of us. The same Spirit that Jesus moved in is available to you. The day that we are about to enter into is the Day of the Saints, where all of God's people understand that they are appointed and anointed to do the work of God in all the earth and to be part of this great harvest that God's about to unleash on the world. And how does God feel about us as we dare to make a difference and open our mouths and demonstrate with our lives? This is how He feels about us. Isaiah 52.7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad t- tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You see, friends, it's not our ability, it's our availability. It's whether we've caught the heart of the Father, whether we've heard the call that God is issuing to every believer that this is a season of harvest in which God can use anybody as long as they've got their ears open. Some of us would say today, well, Pastor James, I'm not an evangelist and I'm definitely not a preacher. I'm just a humble servant of God and I just love serving people. Someone else says, well, it's not my calling to be an evangelist. He says, my calling is more as a teacher. When they get saved, I'll teach them. And others say, well, Pastor James, I'm not really an evangelist. I'm more of a prophet. When they come into the church, I'll prophesy over them. You just put me in front of them and I'll prophesy till the cows come home. But I'm not an evangelist. Then some say, well, I'm not an evangelist either. I'm I'm more of an apostle. You know, I like to start new churches and, and get them. But let me tell you something, friends. You might, not be a humble, you might be a humble servant, but if there's no one in the church, you've got no one to serve. You might say that you're a teacher, but if there's nobody sitting in the pews, you've got nobody to teach. If you might say, I'm a prophet and I prophesy over the people, if the people don't come in, you've got nobody to prophesy over. What's the point? The point is, it's the whole body at work to bring the harvest in. Every one of us have a part to play in this great end time move of the Holy Spirit. It may be a word in season here. It may be a little thing that you offer to do someone when you see your workmate down. It might be offering to give somebody a lift. It could be any number of small things where you're just another piece of the cog that's in the whole pipeline of what God wants to do within someone's life. You don't have to preach the Gospel to everybody to the nth degree. You know, a lot of people think evangelism is all about bashing people with the Word of God. You'll turn more people away than get people saved if you just go and bash them. Or if you say, I'm, I'm having the blood of them off my conscience now. I've given them the Word of God. But you've just, all you've done is just gatling gun and machine gun them down. And they're riddled with bullets and they're never going to want to hear another Christian again. They want to hear somebody that loves them. They want to hear words that have meaning behind them. They want to feel a connection of that spirit that you carry in you that's going to connect to their heart, that's going to cause them to open their hearts to Jesus Christ. You know, there's two types of people as far as God's concerned there's the lost and there's the found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. All of you have met Christ, you know the story. You know that once you were spiritually blinded, there was a spiritual blindness where you could not see God. You couldn't feel Him, you couldn't hear Him, but the veil was taken away. And when you got found, suddenly you could see the light of the Gospel. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And God wants to take that spiritual veil of blindness off people's lives. And so I want to talk to you today about the four calls of Scripture. And the first call I want to talk to you about today is in the Old Testament, where the prophet Isaiah hears a call from above. And the Bible says in Isaiah 6 verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The Bible always is particular about the wording that it used. Why didn't he just say, I had an encounter with God and I was taken up into heaven? No, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, then... I saw the Lord. Something had to die around his life before he could see God clearly and have an encounter and hear a call that came directly to him from heaven. So who was King Uzziah? King Uzziah was one of the top three prosperous kings. He reigned for 52 years. Not quite as long as Queen Elizabeth II but he's getting right up there. And the Bible says that he was chosen because of his character at the age of 16 years old to replace his father as the king. And he, everything he did, the Bible says, when he began, he did right in the eyes of the Lord and God prospered him and God favoured him. You can see the story in 2 Chronicles 26. And it's an incredible story of a man who had his nose to the grace zone, who was listening to God, who was responding and doing all that he could to follow God. He was listening for the call. But the Bible says, unfortunately, it says this in 26, 16 of Second Chronicles, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. You all know what it's like when you're down and out. When I came to the Lord, I was suicidal. I was at the bottom of my barrel. There wasn't a lower place for me to go. And when when you've been humbled in life, when your strength is small, we call upon the name of the Lord. But somehow we get money. We get, we, we, our world seems to grow around us where everything gives us a false sense of confidence and we become strong in our own eyes. And the Bible says he lifted himself up and he became strong in his own eyes to his destruction for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. It wasn't his job. It was the high priest's job to burn the incense in the temple. He was so proud of what he could accomplish and what he could achieve. He walked over the top of other designated and appointed roles that God had set aside until the high priest found out what he did and he blocked him. A normal priest blocked the king from coming into the temple. He stood up against him with 50 others of his own kind. And he said, you have transgressed the Lord's ways. You have gone into a place where you were not given the authority to do so. And from this day forward, you you will be struck with leprosy. And the Bible said this magnificent king who set up incredible infrastructures, who was world renowned, suddenly for the rest of his life, the Bible says he lived in an isolation house. That means he lived on his own as a leper for the rest of the days of his life. You see, friends, with all this going on, Isaiah the prophet's gotten distracted. He can't hear the voice of the Lord. He can't, he can't focus in on the things of God because he's got so distracted by the affairs of the king and his kingdom that he's lost sight of God. And so something had to die in order for Isaiah to hear the call from above, who will go for me? But before he could get there, he's taken into heaven. The seraphim and the cherubim are crying out, holy, 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 their wings are flapping around in heaven. And suddenly Isaiah realises that he's an unholy man in the presence of a holy God. And he says, woe unto me, I am a man of unclean lips. He obviously had a few uh, choice words that used to slip out of his mouth every now and again. I am a man of unclean lips. And the angel brought the coal from the altar, cleansed his lips. And he has an encounter with God. And as he has an encounter with God, because he's now focused on what the Lord wants to do in his life, the distractions of King Uzziah have gone because he's dead. Except a seed falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bring forth fruit. I want to ask you a question this morning. What is it in your life that needs to go in order for you to hear a fresh call from God? What is it that's got between you and the Lord? What King Uzziah has stepped into the place that is reserved for God in your life and you can't hear the call anymore because you've got distracted by the King Uzziahs of this world? Suddenly the word, the call went from heaven. I've got to send someone who will go for me. And Isaiah's had a fresh encounter with God. His ears have been opened. He can hear the call from above. And He says, Lord, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. So that's the call from above. The second call in Scripture is the call from below, where Jesus tells a story about a very wealthy man who lived a sumptuous life. He lived a a life of great affluence. He had his mansion. The Bible talks about it in the Gospel of Luke. And at his At at the gates of his magnificent mansion every day lived a beggar covered in sores. And the dogs used to come to the gate every day and lick the sores on his body because of the pain that he was in. And Jesus tells the story and he says, Both of them pass away. And the poor man, the beggar, is taken to heaven to Abraham's bosom. But the rich man is taken to Hades. Where the Bible proceeds, Jesus proceeds to give a very clear description of what the place of a lost eternity separated from God looks like, feels like, tastes like. A place of sulphur, a place of eternal suffering, a place of eternal torment where the worm never dies and your thirst can never be quenched. A horrendous place, not just for a day, like sitting in a sauna for a day, but like sitting in a sauna for the rest of your eternity. And the call comes from below, from the wealthy man who's suffering. He says, could you please just go to my family, to my five other brothers and warn them about this place. All I want is someone to touch the tip of my tongue with some water that I might have my suffering alleviated. You see, friends, somehow when we're in cruise mode as Christians, we lose sight of the call from below. We lose sight of the fact that people every day are passing from this earth and they're going to a lost eternity of eternal torment and shame. Today, God wants to ask you the question. Can you hear the cry from below of those who right now are in that place that they can never come back from? There's no place of temporal punishment and hell. The Scripture makes that very, very clear. That's a doctrine of the devil. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to die once, and then we must all face the judgment. So if you have not received Christ and you have turned your life away from God, that is the place that you will find yourself. There is a call that we've all got to experience, the call from below of those who are crying out in torment. When I was 24 years old, my brother, my, my only brother, we were very close, 11 months apart. We used to have, we were the same age for, for a, a short period of time. Both little red-headed, freckle-faced kids. And uh, I was the one that used to beat him up when he was little, cause he was, um, he was younger than me, so I was the older brother. And, uh, and at the age of 23 years old, he got testicular cancer. And he left, he was a, he was a sheep shearer, worked in the shearing gangs in New Zealand. And he was too proud to let anybody know that he had something growing down there. By the time he finally went to a doctor, his testicle was the size of an orange. So the surgeon cut the testicle out, and in good bedside, Dr. Manis literally came into him after he came out of the operation and said, You're going to snuff it. That's his words. You're going to snuff it. You'll probably, will be able to give you chemo and radiotherapy. They'll keep you a little bit longer. But he said, there's no coming back. You've got secondary cancer up in your lungs and it's spread to the rest of your body. We'll try and keep you alive for a little bit longer. My brother had no concept of Christianity. I was the only person at this stage that had come to Christ in the family. So I began to share the gospel with my brother, began to share the love of God with him. And by an incredible series of miracles, he went to see some cousins that he'd got lost contact with, and I didn't even know this. All of his cousins had come to the Lord in Wellington. And he returned from a weekend in Wellington, saved, born again, baptized in water, and on his way to heaven. I couldn't imagine right now, knowing that my brother had died of a terminal illness, and he never, ever found the call of God from a Christian or a person that saved him from a lost eternity. I'm so grateful. Every day I'm so grateful. And my mother said, I was preaching on a Sunday morning when my brother passed away. And my mother said, it was incredible. James, you should have seen it. He was lying on his, he was lying on his bed and suddenly the smile came right over his His whole face smiled as he had his last breath. And as His Spirit left His body and went to heaven as He departed from this world. That's what we want to see every person receive the eternal inheritance because we as believers have heard the call from below saying, send somebody to warn them about this place. The third call of Scripture is a call that we're all aware of in the Bible. It's the call from within. You've all felt this call. You've all sensed this call as you've been talking to somebody who may be cussing, swearing. You know they're not a believer and you've got this opportunity. God gives you an opening as wide as a bus to drive through it. To share that opportunity about Jesus with them. It's the call from within. And this is how the Apostle Paul says it. In 1 Corinthians 9, 16, yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. You know, often we'll hear it, people boasting their testimonies about they preached this, they said this, and this happened, and this happened. He says, I can't boast about it because I'm compelled by God to do it. There's this inward call that he's felt, this motivating force within his life. And he says, how terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. You've all felt it when you've let, let an opportunity slide by. When God's given you that opportunity very clearly and, and, you, and, and, and you've dropped out, you've let it slide by and you're thinking, damn, God, give me another chance. Give me another chance with that person. Please, Lord. Why is that? Because we all feel the call within. If you have the Spirit of God within you, He's reaching out to that lost person. You can feel it. You can feel, can you feel that call? Within our lives. And that's the Holy Spirit. See, wherever you, this is the genius of Jesus going to heaven. When He was here in bodily form, He could only be in one place at once. But He said, I've got this ingenious plan. I'm going to pour my Spirit out on every person so that they can take the Gospel to the whole world. So that whenever someone's born again, they have the Spirit of God in them. And wherever they go, they carry the Spirit with them. And they're compelled. And we're compelled I can't boast about sharing the gospel because I can feel the inward call rising up within me to share the gospel. The prophet Jeremiah felt this call. This is how he said it. Jeremiah 20 verse nine. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in His name, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Don't get worn out fighting the inward call. Go with the flow of the inward call. Earn people's trust. Begin to drop seeds and deposits of love of the Gospel into their lives. Demonstrate your your words with your love and your actions. And see them begin to open their lives to me. I had a policy when I was in the workforce before I became a Christian. And by the way, this is one of the things that pastors really struggle with. Because pastors, they, when we come into full-time Christian ministry, sometimes we want to get out of full-time Christian ministry because we've stopped rubbing shoulders with a lot of the world. And that's one of the things I used to love prior to becoming a pastor, and I'd come into a new job and I'd sit at the smoker room and then I'd just let everybody in the smoker room know I was a Christian. I'd let them know from day one. I wouldn't preach to them, but i just let them know. I remember the day when I, was, uh, when I went back to um, uh, university to get a certificate in computer studies after I got saved. We all had to give a speech. We had a speech competition. So I said, Lord, this is a prime opportunity I've been asked to give a speech to my fellow students. What would you like me to speak on? He said, I want you to speak on the cross, on my suffering. So I spoke a 15-minute talk to a room full of students, and my teacher could not look at me. She was under such conviction she had a head, I don't know how she marked me on body language, because she wasn't watching what I was doing when I was speaking. She couldn't look at me. She was under such conviction. And every single student there had the opportunity to hear about what Jesus went through on the cross and why he went through it on the cross. I got the top mark in the class for that speech. Hallelujah. Because when you're faithful to God, he's faithful to you. The call from within, and lastly, the call from the outside. I've been doing one of the great things that happened in the Gold Coast recently. Normally, you know, we're out on the beach. We're prayer walking for three hours a day, just going for a swim and the thing, but because we had such rotten weather, um, we were laid up. Viv was sick and I was looking after her inside. So I decided to study the book of Acts. So I had hours and hours of study in the book of Acts. And there was a call that came from outside, not just the call from within, And it's fascinating to see that Paul the Apostle was in the area called Galatia where he first wrote his first letter to the church, the new churches that started in the the province of Galatia. And he's there and and he knows that God wants to move him on. So he looks at going west and the Bible says the Holy Spirit restrained him. Said, you're not going west. So then he says, well, I'll go north. To Bithynia, up by the Black Sea. This is in in the nation of modern day Turkey. So he goes off to go north up to the the Black Sea, to the province of Bithynia. This is Acts 14. And then as he's heading up there, the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't want you to go there. You are forbidden from heading north. So he only had one other direction he could go. So he heads there and he gets to Troas. And as he's in Troas, he has a vision. And in the vision, across the water into the gateway of what is now modern day Europe, he sees a man in a vision in Macedonia saying, Paul, come over here and help us. We need your help. And the Bible says immediately the next day they got on a boat, instant obedience. He heard the call from outside. You see, friends, sometimes when you've got a friend who's sick, and they're asking you for help with their medical conditions or to help them get through that not losing a job, that might sound like a call from help from them, but it's actually a call for salvation. You might have friends that are going through financial difficulty and they're saying this is a call for financial help. It's not really a call for financial help. It's a call from salvation. They're calling from the outside to you because they know you're a Christian. And that call for help can turn in to an encounter for salvation. So Paul goes to Europe and he gets three converts in the first week. Do you know who they were? A businesswoman, Lydia, who traded in purple garments, a very wealthy woman. She gets saved. She says, the whole mission team, come and stay at my place. Hospitality, instant hospitality. She opens up her home. The whole mission team goes to stay with Lydia. While she's staying there, there's this woman with the spirit of divination following them around everywhere. These are the servants of the Most High God. These are the servants of the Most High God. Truth? Right spirit? <laughs> A spirit of divination. Paul gets so annoyed with her that he turns around, he casts the spirit of divination out of her, the guys that are profiting from her fortune telling start losing all their money and all of a sudden Paul and his mission team end up in jail. And by the way, Paul said this, through much tribulation we entered the kingdom. Every single new place Paul went, I've just studied it and I can tell you this as a fact, every single new town And new church he started, he faced severe persecution and opposition from the enemy. So, harden up. Get some cement in your shoes. And by that, I simply mean this don't expect to be ground takers for the kingdom of God and not to have any opposition against your life. It'll come in all sorts of forms. Some of them will surprise you when it comes through the people who are closest to you in your life. So he hears the call from outside and he goes. As we finish today, I want to remind you about a beautiful woman. Bible had a number of women that are clearly described as being Very, very beautiful. This woman was a stunner. She would have been on the cover of Sports Illustrated if she was here on earth today. The king takes her as a wife, but he doesn't realize her true identity that she's a Jew. Her name is Esther. A very bad man called Haman gets an edict that all Jews in the province will be destroyed on such and such a day. A massive holocaust. She's sitting in a position of influence. She has the ability to sway the king, but there's a lot of risk attached to it because if she speaks up out of turn, in those days the king could just say, take her out. Doesn't matter how beautiful she is, she's annoying me, take her out. And so... Her uncle Mordecai comes to her, and this is the words, the very words he said. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let me finish with a story of four people. First person's name is everybody. Second person's called somebody. Third person's called anybody. And the last person's called nobody. There was an important job to be done and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realised that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Let's just close our eyes.